Tell everybody your name. Oh, Heather. <laughs> Heather and Josh, Josh, which is a fireman, which is. He's on duty. And where's, where's uh, Eric? Eric, get up here. And this is Eric and Jacqueline, and this is Alex, and everybody knows this. But what I want to tell you is we had a, there was a court date Friday, and some very serious things were taking place. And um, one of the wonderful things is that when these children, most of them get, they get sent out to foster parents or people, and they never see brothers and sisters again. But we also have Damien, which is Valerie, and, and Earl's got him right now as foster parents, and, and they're looking into adopting him maybe or maybe not. We don't know what's taking place yet. And we also have Zayden, another brother that's going to be, uh, looks like he's going to be adopted by Jim and Angie. So they're all, and what I'm trying to tell you is they're all staying in the church together. Although they may be separate as a family, but they're all staying in the, in the church. Isn't that a wonderful thing what God does for these little kids? But um, Friday, Jacqueline and Eric had a court date, which had something to do with Annie and the other, other children. Um, their mother's rights were taken away. Uh, is, she's in, is she in jail or where she's at? I don't know. She's not right now. Okay. Anyway, but they've been saved. They've been, her rights are gone. Uh, Annie's dad uh, no longer uh, lives. And uh, Alex's dad is in prison for many, many more years. And uh, so they had to go to court to do, get this done. And, and we had a situation when you're trying to adopt a child or you know, everybody got children, you know how much you love those children. These are their, they may not be blood, but they're blood. And it's important. And these things, you just bite your fingernails off, waiting for these days to come about. And so Friday we had a court date, and when they took the rights away, we knew Annie was going to go over here, and that's going to be a wonderful family. We knew that was going to happen. But then there was a situation with Alex that, uh, that called for a lot of trust in these two's hearts. And I think what God revealed to, these, to the mother and father is that they can trust him no matter what. And uh, I know I didn't, I'm going to put you on the spot, but the father in prison did not want to let loose of Alex. Although he has no means of Alex, no way to take care of him, or no way to even know him or anything like that. But he just didn't want to relinquish, relinquish that right. And uh, the Lord led Jacqueline to send him a letter. And during the court Friday, on the screen, the judge had that man read the letter out loud. And uh, Jacqueline wrote it, never had to rewrite it. And at the end of that letter, the man told his lawyer in front of the judge and everybody else that he would savor the rights to his child. And that means that this family is going to become a family in just a matter of a few months, the same as this one. So what I guess what I'm really wanting to show you more than anything is that trust God. Would you please trust God? No matter what circumstances you're in, no matter what it looks like, God is asking you to trust him through it. No matter what happens, he's asking you to trust him through it, and it will be okay. Do you believe that? They've both learned some great things through this, and as a church, we've learned too, to trust God. Thank you, guys. I love news like that, don't you? In a world full of trouble and turmoil all the time, man, when you got good news, you got to got to tell you, don't you? Yeah. Well, uh, I'll give you that because I got a lot of bad news for you.
So according to how you want to look at it today, we're in the book of Lamentations, uh, which is, uh, I haven't really preached out of Lamentations much over the years, but God called me to it this week, so we're going to go. And we're going to start chapter 1. Uh, before I go there, I actually had a joke for you this week. I, don't, I haven't had a joke in a while. There was a doctor and a lawyer and a preacher, and they decided to go hunting together. And so they went out hunting, and they run too far apart, and there come this big, beautiful buck, an open pasture, and all of a sudden the, the guns, all three guns shot at one time, and boom, boom, and down went the buck. Well, about that time, a game warden pulls up, and they're all running out there to, to look the, at this beautiful buck, see how big he was, and try to figure out whose, whose buck it was. And there was just one, one hole in it. And the game warden looked at it, and he said, well, I know who this buck belongs to. And he looked at the game and said, how can you know? He says, because it went in one ear and out the other. It belongs to the preacher. <laughs> well, that's what I feel like. All right. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you today, Lord. There's a lot of things happening in a lot of different people's lives. There's a lot of things happening in this country and throughout the world. There's a lot of, un, un, there's a lot of things that are unsettled and turmoil and confusion. And Lord, you've given us your wonderful word. A lot of it is beautiful words of grace and mercy and redemption and warnings. And so, Father, I'm asking you to open up our hearts today. And Lord, there's uh, many out here with pain in their hearts. We have Ed back there that lost his wife. And we pray for him and you would help him, Father. Lord, we ask you to bless this day. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Well, I'm going to put on my little yellow vest today. That means warning. Warning. They make us wear these on the job sometimes. I hate them. I got it on wrong, but I don't care. That's just the way the world is. It's all wrong. and nobody, It seems like nobody... City of God, it's a title, and I, I want you to, uh, so if we keep our focus on, the, on the, that city of God, that new Jerusalem is coming down, and a lot of you get my text messages and stuff on Facebook and all that, and, you, and I've been talking about this throughout the week, and, and if, if we keep our focus here, the, ma the things that, go, that take part around our lives, they, 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 really, they really don't have to distract us, they really don't have to tear us apart. And it can be the kids, it can be whatever. If we keep our focus where God wants us to be. And I, I, I'm going to try to keep my focus on the city of God because I know in the end, I know no matter what's taking place in this life, no matter the worst things in the world, I know who wins in the end, and it's our Lord Jesus Christ, and it's us. Amen? We win in the end. So keep my focus on the city of God. The very first principle I'm going to give you, and I'm going to go to 1 Corinthians in a minute too, but it's, I want you to listen to this. No one will ever seek a new beginning until they first decide the absolute need for one. I'm going to stop right there. No, more, no one, no matter who it is, no matter what you're going through in your life, you're not going to seek a new beginning. I mean, some of us, we go out and well, I, I, I probably need to change. There's something going wrong. I need to change. But until you really get this deep in your heart, until you understand you need to absolutely change your life, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. You know, you know how I know? I watch it all the time. I see it all the time. You've got, you've got to decide. 
You've got to decide. Whether you're, you want this world that we live in and the things that are taking part, if this is really who you want to be, to get yourself mixed in with all that confusion and nonsense, well, I'm just a young teenager. It doesn't really matter. Yes, it does. Yes, it does matter. Because what you do today will be with you the rest of your life. I remember the scary movies I watched when I was a kid. I still remember the, the mummy that walked like that. I'm, you know, they, you just, these things don't leave your minds. No matter what you do, it's always there with you. So it does matter. So no one will ever seek a new beginning until they first decide they absolutely need one. You've got to understand, you need a new beginning. You need something different in your life. We go through life trying to fill things up, trying to fill an empty hole. We hear that all the time. Trying to fill up an empty hole in our lives, and this seems never to get full. I don't care what millionaire, billionaire, movie star, what you, what, whoever you talk to, they're going to tell you the same story in different words. They've got an empty hole they're trying to fill, and they keep trying to fill it, and it doesn't get full. Because they won't ever seek something that's going to fulfill them. Because there's a new city coming down. I'm going to be in that new city. I, you know what? I don't, I don't doubt it at all. I got some tickets up here, and we'll use them later. But some of us think life is like, Lord's like a raffle or something. If I do this and I do that and I got to do this and do that, I'm going to be okay, and, and he'll draw my number, and I'm going to be fine. Why? Where do you get that from? Where do you get that from? I, I read where if I believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and I believe that he died, and he was risen, and I, and I asked for redemption of my sins. I've got my way to heaven because I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through the Son. I believe that. I don't, I don't believe in, 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 in I've got to do this, got to do that, got to do that, and hope I'm good enough. I know I'm never going to be good enough. That happened the day I was born. I'm not going to be good enough. But I believe in the one that who is. And I know that I need him to change my life, continually to change my life. Otherwise, one will always slip back to where they came from. We'll just continue to slip back. We'll, we'll try this Christian thing for a while. We'll try it for a while. And it doesn't fulfill you because you never really tried it. You never really decided you needed to change. You were just trying to please yourself or please someone else. And it didn't work for you. And off you go. It wasn't God's fault. It was your fault. In 1 Corinthians 2.14, it says, But the natural man, in other words, the man outside of God, the flesh, the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. That means everybody outside of the Lord Jesus Christ, everybody outside of God's Word, God's truth, they don't receive it. They don't know it. They don't have it. They got it with some kind of intellectual mind, but they don't have it the way we have it, through the Spirit of God, through the knowledge and wisdom of God. Does everybody agree with that? Thank you, Ray. You're the only one. <laughs> but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are what? Everybody use that word for me. What? Foolish to him. So when I'm talking to someone outside of the church, outside of understanding God, I'm talking to who? A foolish what? Some, give it to me. A foolish what? Man, our woman, a foolish person. I've got to understand that. And when we get into the book of Lamentations here in a few minutes, we're going to go through nine verses this morning. We're looking at a, 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 a time frame, a warning that God's given Jeremiah the prophet and many other prophets 
about what was going to take place with the holy city of, of God, Judah, the south. And he says, if you keep this up, if you keep doing what you're doing, I'm going to remove my protection, and you're going to fall into sin. You're going to fall into slavery. It's going to happen. Because a lot of them were like, just like this verse. They, were not, they weren't seeking the truth of God. They weren't seeking a change, an absolute change they needed. They just decided they're going to go along to get along, and everything's going to be all right, and we're never going to fall. And we're going to talk about the United States a little bit today because we're in heading for a fall, and you need to be prepared for that. I'm warning you, just like Jeremiah was warning, we're heading for a fall. And the church better be prepared because I don't know when I'm going home. But if I'm here, I want to be prepared for that fall. A lot of people are going to need help. I'm not too worried about it because I got the promises of God. I'm not worried about it at all because I know I'm going to be right where God tells me to be. I want to be helping people get through it. If the Lord asks me to do that. For they are foolish to him, nor can he know them. He can't know them. All these politicians that put themselves ahead of, of everything else, and they talk pretty stories and this, that, and the other, they are foolish because they don't know Christ. And they can't know. Because they are spiritually what? Bankrupt is a good word. Thank you. But for the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolish to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. In our country today, this, is, this seems like this is the majority. But I don't believe it is. I believe there's a lot of good Christians out there. I believe there's a lot of good Catholics and a lot of good Baptists and a lot of good Presbyterians and a lot of good Methodists and a lot of good Nazarenes and a lot of good this and a lot of good that. I believe there's a lot of good ones, a lot of good Christian church people. I believe there's a lot of good ones out there. And I think we need to be prepared. Go ahead, please. God has a wonderful plan for us. Everybody say Amen. And you say, well, this don't look wonderful to me. But you know what? Some of the, when, in, in a lot of you can just testify to this all day long. Some of the worst things in your life have brought you to the understanding of God. Am I right or am I wrong? Some of the very worst things have got you to grow farther in Christ in your life. So if, if this country starts to go down or things start to fall apart, my goodness, that's an opportunity for us the church that do not worry about these things, that look to Christ, not to the world, not the surroundings. I mean, the, what the Dow dropped? 600 points the other day? Because I, I think it's a great thing that Britain got out of that mess over there. They meant for them people. It all shoved old Satan back a little bit. He was going for that one world government, one world money and all that, and it just got shoved back a little farther. Amen. God's given us a little more time to help a little more people. So God has a wonderful plan for us. And if you pay attention, you can see it. His plan will always lead to the illumination of the city of God. Amen? To the Lord, to heaven. That should be in our, we should be illuminating that in our lives because he's got a plan for your life. In Revelation 21, 2 and 3, it says, Then I, John, saw the holy city, Jerusalem, the holy city, coming down out of heaven from God. John saw that. It's in the book of Revelation. How many of you believe that's going to happen? Amen? It's going to happen. You can't stop it. Nobody can stop it. This world can't stop it. It's going to happen. In a time and place, it's going to happen. And I'm going to... Whoop. Man, that's, that's my home. You understand that? That's my home. Then I, John, saw the holy city. Not just a, 
an ordinary city, but a holy city, something completely set apart from anything else in creation, a holy city, a new Jerusalem. Because the old one is what? It's full of sin. It's full of everything. It has to be burned up. It has to be destroyed. We see it here in a few minutes when, in Lamentations. It's coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I don't have time to go in that bride and adorn for her husband think that's a wonderful thing. That's, that's a picture of such beauty. I mean, we're all dressed up on our, on our wedding days, right? And that bride is so beautiful. And that heaven coming down is supposed to represent a picture for us to see how beautiful, how glorious that day is going to be. That it's a day of great joy, great excitement. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them. God's home is coming down. Amen? See, we win in the end. And they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. How many of you believe this? I mean, do you believe this? Then then quit worrying about things around you, okay? Quit worrying about it, because this is my home. This is where I'm heading. Now, I just got to get through all the things that are taking place in my life, but this is where I'm heading. See, I just got to learn to trust God because he says this is happening. I believe it's going to happen no matter what this world does, no matter who's in power. I believe this is going to happen. With everything that I've got, I believe it. And I have the the word of God in thousands of years and, and great testimonies from person after person to back it up. I have the history of the world right here. Do you understand that? The history of the world wrote in one book, 66 books in one book. The history of the world, right here. How many pages did it take to get Obamacare through? Why do you think they got to have so many pages? It's so you don't read it and so you don't understand it so they can take power over you. Is a city still a city if there's no life within it? Is a city still a city if there's no life in it? Because that's what we're going to look at here in the very first Verse here, Lamentations 1.1. I call it the book of tears. It's, it's a sorrowful book. It's a book of a man writing it. He's just completely broken down because he loved his country so much. He loved the people. Not the city, but the people. He loved them. And he saw the destruction. He had seen it coming for years and years. And he had preached and he had warned and he had told him, if you keep doing it this way, it's going to fall apart. But guess what? Nobody believed him. Now, we, we, today we warn and we, we preach and we tell people, if you don't absolutely need that change, if you don't come to Christ, you're going to die and go to where? Okay, that's what we preach today. And guess what? Oh, I've heard that before. Ain't happening. Well, the day you die, it's happening, honey. Or, sir, it's happening. It's going to happen. So a city is is, is not a city any longer once the people are gone. We are our country. Amen? We, the people. We are the country. Faith that shows no obedience. This is exactly what took place here in uh, Judah. Now, I want to show you something Some of you don't know the history of the Bible too much, but Judah is the south. Just like we have south of here, the rebels. Judah and Benjamin is two tribes in the south, and the other ten tribes are in the north. And they were captured by Assyria a couple hundred years before this. And the only thing we left was Judah, the city of Jerusalem, and the south. So I try to think about that, and I think about how Israel was started by God, Completely started by God. 
taken across the, the Red Sea and then across the Jordan and moved his people out. And as God sent pilgrims to this country, he took them out of another country that was persecuting Christians. He brings them over here. And they do it in the name of the Lord. And this country is founded by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Everybody say amen. amen. Our constitution is wrote in the name of the Lord. Everybody say amen. amen. Everything about the way the government set up was set up in the name of the Lord. Everybody say amen. amen. Everything. Yet as, as, as Judah and, and as Israel felt in Judah in the south continued to, to throw God out of everything... And sin started taking over, and God would continue to warn them, and he's, you've got to stop. And so the outcome is what we're going to read today. Faith that shows no obedience to God is like a, an empty city. A church can have a lot of people in it, but if their faith is not obedient to God, it's really just an empty, just an empty church. It's like an empty city. We have to have faith that is active faith, and then it is obedient to the truth of God, the word of God, completely. It can't be something you made up. It has to be line up with the word of God. How many times have I said that? It has to line up with the word of God. And your faith becomes obedient, and you become children of God, and you start to change. Some of you say, well, I don't feel no change. It's because you're not obedient. You're not obedient! You're playing around with God, and he won't be mocked. And vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I don't want to fall in the hands of a vengeance God. Amen. So I stand up here and I'll shout and I'll scream and I'll, I'll, I'll do things because I want your attention. I want you to quit living lives that are destructive to you and your family and to this country, to the city. You say, well, uh, my life doing this and doing that is not destructive. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. It dribbles down. And it continues on. Faith that shows no obedience to God is like an empty city. Sin removes all from all, leaving what? Nothing. Well, how do I get that? Because Babylon is coming, and they're going to take every single person out of Judah. Jerusalem is going to be completely burned up, the tabernacle, the temple, everything. Well, how did God allow that? God didn't. You did it. They did it. They did it because their faith had no obedience to the word of God. And God lets it take place. And he builds people up. He built Babylon up and Nebuchadnezzar to do it. He warned him and he warned him and he's warning us and he's warning us and he's warning us. Sin removes all from all. Isn't that something? I love that one, God gave me that. It removes everything that we have. It destroys everything in its path and leaves nothing. In the end. Can you all remember that? You need to write that one down. In the end, but more emptiness. The emptiness that you start out with, it just gets filled up with more emptiness when you're done. Everybody all right? Say, all right, I'm all right. All right. Lamentation 1-1. How lonely sits the city. How lonely sits the city that was full of people. A city that was prosperous, a country that was prosperous, that had great, oh, just a, such a wonderful future. They grew up in Christ. They grew up in God. They, they loved him. They put their laws in front of him. They were trying to live by it. What a wonderful place. What a wonderful country. What a wonderful America. So pleasant. And we got so arrogant. 
that nothing can touch us. Nothing can touch us. In Israel, we've got the God, the one true God, but yet they were not obedient to the one true God. And as America comes down and says, we got the one God, and we don't even got that anymore. We just keep throwing him out of everything and everything. I think the only place he's left is still over the Supreme Court with Moses over the Ten Commandments. And I can't, I'm just waiting for the day when they get for the chisel and start chiseling that off. We live in a crazy time. How lonely sits a city that was full of people. See, without God, we're empty. Amen? There may be people, as I read in 1 Corinthians 2.14, they're foolish, they're empty, there's nothing left. How lonely sits a city that was full of people. How like a whittle she is. And he uses this diagram of a widow losing her husband and a complete loneliness with that. Who was great among the nations. Israel was a powerful nation. A powerful nation, just like America. Powerful. Other nations just marveled. Solomon and his palace and David and all of them, they just marveled at it. And they would come around from all over the world to just look at Israel. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Who was great among the nations, the princes among the province had become a slave. And in their power and in their arrogance, they left God behind somewhere and they kept kicking him out a little bit of a time kicking him out, and Jeremiah would cry out, and he called him the weeping prophet. He would cry out over and over and over again, just like preachers do today. Cry out over and over again, just to the people. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? As a country, or as individuals, either way, until you see an absolute need to change, you're not going to change. You know when they saw the absolute need to change? When it was too late. Isn't that too bad? That's when, that's when most of us see the need to change. We're sitting in jail. We're sitting in a rehab. We're sitting in a divorce court. We're sitting somewhere. When I was about 18 years old, I had this fast 71 Camaro SS350, sunshine yellow, up in the back end, Craigers all the way around, Ellenbrock high-rise, four-barrel dually carb. It was hot, Okay. I'm just telling you, I love that guy picture. I loved it. Eric, I loved it, man. The girls loved it too, Eric, I'm telling you. Oh, where's Vicky? No, Vicky loved it. Didn't you, Vicky? Yeah. Not girls, girl. Girl, girl. There you go. I love that car. Brent, it was hot, man. If I had that car back today, I'd have some money too, wouldn't I? Man. But I, I recognized what it was, and I decided not to follow the laws of the country. In fact, I would uh, oftentimes do something called drag racing. Yes, I would. And oftentimes the police would find out that I was doing that. And the consequences of that would come down, and I would say, it!" And my license were suspended. And I'd get them back. That four-speed would hit it again, boy. <laughs> they won't catch me this time. Boy, that's kind of like we are with God, isn't it? He won't catch me this time. He's not. Is he really real? Well, I ain't seen him lately. You know what? And I, I just couldn't help myself. So 
after many tickets, <laughs> I went to up in Indianapolis one night and went to the court on Friday night, took a friend with me. And I had a big night planned later on. Something happened that night. The judge said, two days, boy. I said, what? <laughs> two days? In, in what? Two days in the Marion County Jail. Yeah, ouch. You talk about something that wakes you up. That woke me up. See, I'd always heard about the jail. It wasn't a real good place to go. My mom and dad used to scare me to death about the jail. It wasn't a good place to go, let me tell you. It such, wasn't it such a good place to go that I never went back. I never went back to visit ever. <laughs> and I wasn't even there very long. I got out a minute, minute after midnight. I had a deputy sheriff, uh, cousin was deputy sheriff. My dad got him in there and got me out a minute after midnight. And uh, uh, whether that was good or bad, I learned in my lesson in those few hours that I didn't ever want to go back. I needed an absolute change. So I went out and bought a different car, <laughs> something slower. I think it was 13 or 14 years later before I got my next ticket. I learned something. Amen. I learned something. I needed to change. And sometimes when we need to change, we need to change the surroundings that are around us. I needed to change cars. I think I went to motorcycles or something after that. But I, I needed that change, and I didn't get another ticket for that many years. So was it a good thing that happened to me? Yeah, it was. Was God protecting me? Yeah, even though I was foolish, he was still protecting me because who knows what could, I could have got killed doing the foolish things I've done. So rejection of God's truth turns one towards the power and lies of evil. If I would continue to, to reject the word of God and the truth of God, I would continue to turn my life to the powers of evil and the lies of evil which try to fill me up. You won't get caught again. Just do it again. You won't get caught again. I didn't want to go back. I saw enough. And let me tell you, I wasn't praying when I was in that jail. I wasn't praying when I was... I wasn't praying then, but when I got put... I was praying. I didn't want to be there anymore. And that's what happens to us. We just got to learn that we need to change before we get in these troubles. And that's what the warnings that Jeremiah is trying to give out and the warnings that God's trying to give out through his, through his prophets and preachers and elders and teachers today is to be prepared to what's getting ready to take place in our world. And God needs you ready to prepare to, to help people that's going to need it. Because there's a lot more lost people than there is saved people. Not only do we have an economy getting ready to collapse, we have Muslims that want to kill us and come over and make us slaves. Do you know that as soon as the Muslims want to take control of us, you know what, how much time have I got? Do you know what they want, really want to do? They want to enslave you. They want to sell you on a market. If they don't like you, they'll sell you. They'll take that family and put it together. They'll take it. They'll split it up. They want, to set, they want to enslave you. I don't care how much this government wants to say they're a peaceful nation. They're not. They want to kill you and they want to enslave you. Just go study. Just go look it up. Their Sharia law, that's what they want to do. Don't be fooled. And if we don't stand up, if our economic system doesn't collapse and we keep allowing the things of God not 
to take power in this country, but the things of evil to take power in this country, we'll find ourselves there, our kids will. And so this is Jeremiah. He knew what was going to take place. He knew it. He sees it. He knew it, and he writes these down. And he says in Lamentations 1, 2 through 9, I'm going to go through these quickly, though. I want to tell you something. This is a man with great tears, with great remorse because of what has already taken place. He had warned the people. Jeremiah would end up going to Egypt because he couldn't live in Israel anymore, in Jerusalem anymore. And he says here in verse 2, she weeps, and she uses as a woman, the nation, she weeps bitterly in the night. A mother weeping for a child or, or a, a father that's died or something, she weeps. It's a wailing weep. It's a, it's a cry. And he's warning us today. He says, put on your vest. I'm warning you, if you don't put God first in everything that you do, this will take precedence in your life, whether it's a nation or an individual. She weeps bitterly in the night. Her tears are on her cheeks among all her lovers. She has none to comfort her. These nations that love them and come around Israel and all that, all they really wanted was to enslave them. You've got a lot of friends that you think you're friends, and as long as you're doing exactly what they're doing, everything's just fine, but the minute you decided that you needed absolute change, they're gone. They are gone. I mean, the wind has blown them away because you done got Jesus. She weeps bitterly in the night. Her tears are on her cheeks among all her lovers. She has none to comfort her. All her friends have dealt treacherously with her. They have become her enemies. They have become her enemies. We all have people in our past that if we decide to leave a situation in our life and we get out of that situation, we have these friends that are still in that situation and they'll do everything they can to draw you back. To draw you back. Whether you're addicted to race cars or addicted to anything, they'll try to draw you back into that. And you've got to decide whether you need that absolute change or not. Judah has gone into captivity. And the minute we keep going back into where we were before, before we had Christ in our life, we're going right back into the captivity that destroyed our life and is trying to destroy your life. This country is going back into a destruction part. Or we're going there. Under affliction and hard servitude. It's not going to be easy on us. She dwells among the nations. She finds no rest. All her persecutors overtake her in dire straits. This is a warning again. It's a warning of what will take place in our lives if we continue to allow sin to overpower us as a nation or as an individual because individuals make the nation. A city is not a city unless the people are in it and the people are that city or are that nation. The rose to Zion mourn because no one comes to set the feast. And that would be the tabernacle of the Lord where they used to go up and do their feast several times a year. They can't go up anymore because they've been held into slavery and captivity. All her gates are desolate, completely destroyed. See, when sin takes over your life, it takes all, amen? And leaves nothing but emptiness. And he's right here in the book of Lamentations, in the book of Jeremiah, the book of Isaiah, over and over and over again, all the small, minor prophets, it continues to talk about what's going to happen if we stay on the path we're on. 
A nation cannot stay on its path and throw God out. A nation that was founded by God. All her gates are desolate. Her priests sigh. And that sigh is like a, it's like a, a, a pain. Her virgins are afflicted. They can't sing anymore. Nobody's happy. Nobody's excited. It's all gone. And she is in bitterness. Complete bitterness because of what's taking place in their life. I spent that time in jail. I was in complete bitterness because of what I have allowed to take place in my life. And guess what? I wasn't a victim. I allowed it to happen in my life. I allowed those things to take place. Nobody made me do it. I allowed it to happen. For the enemy is exalted. Hold up. Go ahead, please. Her adversaries have become the master. And all those things that you thought you had control of, I control this. I mean, I've, I've got the gas pedal, I've got the clutch, i got the I can control this. Shoot, man. Control nothing. That car had more power over me than I had power over a hamburger. Her adversaries have become the master. Her enemies prosper. They were stripped of everything they know, taken into a country they did not want to go. Families tore apart because sin overpowered them and they would not turn to God. They never saw the absolute need to turn to God. They never wanted to illuminate God just in how they wanted to illuminate God. They never cared about much of anything, just as long as they did their traditions and they thought they were doing this and this and that. They never really, they never go to church on Sunday. Fine. Got to be happy with that. God's happy when you're obedient to his word. Amen? Everybody say amen to that. You want to make God happy. You want to bless God, get obedient to his word. Not to one or two of his words, but to every word in the Bible. Get obedient to his word. You want to please God. You want to be blessed by God. Get obedient to his word. And I promise you will be. Because your thoughts start to turn to his thoughts. Your mannerism starts to turn to his mannerisms. You start to have the nature of God, not the nature of man. Her enemies prosper for the Lord has afflicted her because of the multitude of her what? Sins. Sins. What, you think God's just going to let you sin forever and never do nothing about it? What? How many of you daddies and mamas out here just going to let your kids do whatever they want? Huh? You going to let them tear the house apart and just act like nothing happened? You going to let them go out there and scratch your cars and take off your cars and steal them and do nothing like nothing's going to happen? Is that what you're going to do? Well, that ain't much of a mom and dad. The Lord's going to allow things to come into your life and actually put things in your life to straighten you up. He's going to give you chances. He's going to give you grace. He's going to give you mercy. Her children have gone into captivity before the enemy. And the daughter of Zion, oh, that's Zion, that's, that's great city Jerusalem. The daughter of, daughter of Zion, all her splendor has departed. Her princes have become like deer that find no pasture. They become weak. These great mighty men that had the nice beautiful clothes, the nice fancy cars and everything they had. And, and when they get put into, into a prison or to a jail or, or they get on some kind of pills or drugs or alcohol or anything like that or, or they become uh, fornicators transgenders whatever you want to call them they become weak 
foolish people. And they flee without strength before the pursuer. Go ahead, please. In the days of her affliction and roaming, Jerusalem remembers all her pleasant things. Don't you remember those things, the how it used to be? Don't you remember those things, how it used to be? Or how you thought it used to be? Why can't it be like that anymore? It can. It can. Jerusalem remembers all her pleasant things that she had in the days of old. When her people fell into the hand of the enemy with no one to help her, the adversary saw her and mocked at her downfall. See, as a country, I can promise you one thing. There's no country going to bail this country out. Just forget it. The <laughs> United States is a loving people. We have bailed every country, almost every country in the world out. We have saved them from communism and, and socialism and everything you can think of over the years. We have given more. The pe you people have given more to this world than any, any country in the world. We never go in to, to dictate and to overpower. We can't go in to, to set people free. Of course, the world wants to act like we're not, and I don't know how we are anymore, but that's how it used to be. I know that was what World War II was about. Great, great generation. Jerusalem has sinned gravely. America has sinned gravely. You see the correlation here? It's sinned greatly. Who's got a dollar bill or a five-dollar bill? Give me a thousand-dollar bill. I'll take that one. Who's got a, somebody's pulled out a dollar. Bring it up here for me. I don't have my billfold. Jerusalem has sinned greatly. Therefore, she has become vile. Thank you, honey. Therefore, she's become vile. That's, that's God talking. Vile. Filth. And why? Because she has sinned greatly. America has sinned greatly. She has become vile. Filth. It says here, it says everywhere, just for the time being, in God we trust, right? I can't believe it's still on there. I just can't believe it. In God we trust. <laughs> Man, that's the biggest joke I ever heard of. What God? The God of politics? The God of power? What God do we trust in? Because it sure isn't my God. We just kick him out of everything, don't we? You know, if you trust in a God, do you, not, do, you, do you kick him out or you hold on to him? You hold on to him. You grab a hold of him. Because you know that's the only thing that can change you. So we're just a bunch of hypocrites, aren't we? We're a nation full of hypocrites. We're just a, a nation full of nothing but fools. And the church is the only thing that stands in the way of this nation falling. And don't you ever forget it. It's not a person. It's not a politician. It's the church. It's the Lord Jesus Christ that keeps this nation afloat. Amen? Amen. It's the church. It is God's people. When God removes us, this nation is going to crumble like the whole world. It's God that holds things together. It's God. It's this church. It's the way you live your life. It's the way you glory God and illuminate the city of God. It's the way you talk and the way you act. You bring hope to a world and to a nation. You bring hope to families. You bring hope to people that need hope. God is the only hope in the world. He's the only hope we have. And when we strip and we continue to strip that hope away, everything starts to crumble. Don't you see it? Don't you see it? Don't you see it in the courts? Don't you see it in the schools? Don't you see it 
You know, out in California, they're getting ready to pass a law to make the Christian colleges, the Christian colleges, make sure that anybody can join them colleges without saying they belong to Jesus Christ. You say, well, what's wrong with that? Well, there's the problem. Because you would say, say, what's wrong with that? It's a Christian college founded by the Lord Jesus Christ. They do not want to change, but the power of the government was to come in and change it so anybody can join except for Christians. We don't need Christians anymore. They're the problem. And the more we stand still and do nothing, the more we fall. There's people fighting it. Jerusalem has sinned gravely, therefore she has become vile. All who honor her despise her because they have seen her nakedness. Yes, she sighs and turns away. Her uncleanliness is in her skirts. That means all over her. She did not consider her destiny. She did not consider what's next. You know, when, when I didn't... I, I, I very seldom consider what's next when I'm doing something wrong because I think what's next is going to be great, Right? You, you can send you, well, it'll be fine. It's going to be great. <laughs> Party on, baby. It'll be great. How good are hangovers? Are they fantastic? Do you just love a hangover, do you? Do you just love ODing? Do you just love it? Don't you just love it? It's great, man. Don't you just love spending time in jail? Don't you just love going to the hospital with your head wide open? Don't you just love it? <laughs> We're a bunch of fools to believe that stuff. Fools, hypocrites to believe that kind of stuff. God gives us a way. And he says you need a change in your life. You need an absolute change. I'll take care of you if you'll change. I'll grab my arms and I'll wrap you up in the biggest amount of love you could ever imagine if you'll just change. She not consider her destiny. Therefore, her collapse was what? Awesome. What is the word awesome? It means spectacular. Because she thought she had it all together. We think we've got it all together. We think we've got it all together. And then when it collapses in front of us, it is unbelievable that it happened. She had no comfort. Oh, Lord, behold my fiction. Go ahead, and we're going to close up. Uh, Brooke, come on up. There is a one-way ticket out of this empty world. His name is Jesus. Amen? It's, just, it's, it's not a lottery. It's, it's not a lottery. I can't take one ticket off, put the other ticket in the basket, and draw and say, you get to go to heaven, you get to go to heaven. It's not a lottery. But there's one way out of here. There's one way to that great, wonderful city in the end. And his name is Jesus. If your faith is empty without obedience, then it will not last. Genuine faith in Christ remains obedient to his word. Lamentations 5.21. If you want to get some good news, go to Lamentations chapter 3, starting verse 21, go to about, to about 26. You're going to get some good news out of Lamentations. But right here it says, turn us back to you, O Lord. See, if you really love America, if you really love your family, you need to know... If there's something going on, you need, that, you need that, that absolute change in your life, and you need to pray to turn God back to us, back to him. See, America was founded by God, but it's gotten away from God, but we can go back to God, amen? We still have that opportunity. We still have that chance. You say, well, what can I do? Start praying. You say, oh, preacher, I hear that all the time. Well, yeah, that's what works. 
Pray, get involved. Get involved with your schools. Get involved. Get involved. If something's wrong, fight it. Fight it. Don't stand back and let a teacher throw a Bible out. You know, I just heard, I, maybe I already told you, I heard the police officer went to a little boy's house because he was quoting scripture in schools in another state. Ah, I can't believe these things. Well, that's just too bad. It won't happen around here, I'm sure. What, are you crazy? We can't allow these things to happen. It will happen. You don't think Muslims want to take over this country? You're nuts. You don't think they want to enslave your family? You're crazy. You're just blind as a bat. Turn us back to you, O oh Lord. This is a cry. One of the last verses in Lamentations, and it's Jeremiah is crying out with great passion. Turn us back, O oh Lord. Turn us back. Because he knows they're in captivity. It's all gone, but he hasn't given up hope. Amen? He hasn't given up hope. It's going to take 70 years for that nation to start to come back, and then it would be 1947 before it become a nation again. Thanks to America. Amen? Thanks to you. Thanks to our grandfathers and our fathers. God's word is God's word, and time is nothing to God. And he will do what he says, and he says a new city's coming down, and that's my home. Turn us back, O oh Lord, and we will be restored. What will we be? Restored. Restored what? I'd love to be restored like the pilgrims were. Men, you talk about, I can't got time going there. You talk about persecution. You talk about trouble. They had it. They had it, but they kept their eyes focused on God. And they prevailed and we're here today because of those men and women. We will be restored. Renew our days as of old. Take me back, Lord, take me back. Whew, to our founding fathers, take me back. If you've got to destroy us to take us back, do it, but take us back. Unless either that or take me home. Amen? Words for your week. Let's stand, please. Words for the week. Lord, got it. Lord. Lord. <laughs> lead. I'll give you that one. Lord, lead us to. Ah, come on. I've been using that word all through the sermon. There you go. Illuminate. Great. What's the title of the sermon? Lord, lead us to illuminate your great city. What? Where? Where? We call home. <laughs> if you don't get nothing out of this sermon, get this, will you? Lord, Lord, lead us as a nation, as a family, as a mom, as a dad. Lead us to illuminate your great city. See, if we don't illuminate that great city, why would anybody, why would anybody want to be in that great city? Why would they even care? You've got to illuminate that great city that we call home. And your application question for the week. What lie is emptiness trying to fill you up with? What lie is emptiness? The world, what lie is it trying to fill you up with to keep you away from God? The sovereignty and the love and the grace of God. What lie? I'm going to open up the tables. If you belong to Jesus Christ, you're welcome at these tables.
Would you do me a favor? Would you really pray over what's taking place in our nation? I mean pray and ask the Lord to turn us back. I'm sick of people that don't love God. I'm sick of hearing about it. I'm sick of hearing about it. I'm sick of the advertisements on TV. I'm sick of the filth that we... I'm just sick of it. Would you pray that God would start to lift up people like you? People like you to make a change in our nation, in our city. Would you pray for that? Maybe you could be president someday. You say, well, that can't happen. Well, I'll tell you what, God can do anything he wants. Maybe you'll become a, a teacher or a pastor or a preacher. Maybe you'll become a, a commissioner of a police officer that shows great love. Maybe you'll become on a school board that can start to make a difference. You've got to have your hearts open and willing to go and be obedient. If you want your faith to shine, then be obedient to God's word. And step back and watch God work. Amen? It's a wonderful thing to watch God work. Dear Heavenly Father, as we come before you this morning, Lord, I ask you, Holy Father, if people here are struggling with things in their life and they know they're on a road of complete turmoil and destruction, they know they're heading the wrong way, Father, I'm asking you to empower their hearts to, to know they need an absolutely need to change. Not a change of artificial change of anything, but a, a true change in the Word of God, the true change in Jesus Christ, a true change that brings the Holy Spirit into their life and illuminates their life like never before. That nothing else starts to matter except the truth of God. And as the truth of God sinks in, the world opens up more and more of its filth and its sin and where I was and where I don't ever want to go back to. Father, there's here to the people here today that play around with you. They just play around with you. They may think their intentions are good, but in their minds and in their hearts, they're still waiting for the next thing to do, the next party, the next thing to do. When they could be lifting people up in the Word of God and helping change lives. Illuminate us, Father, that we may in return illuminate you. And it's in my Lord and Savior's name, and everyone said, Amen. Amen. You're welcome to come to these tables and enjoy the Lord today.